0: Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer Evelyn Aka. Good day. My name is Evelyn Akka. I'm the founder and managing lawyer of Aka Business Immigration Law. We are based in Calgary, Alberta and we have two offices in Toronto and Vancouver, Canada as well. I focus primarily on cross-border NAFTA immigration law for professionals as well as families and individuals looking to move to Canada or move to the United States. I would like to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer
1: Evelyn Aka. I welcome you, Attorney Evelyn Akka, today with us, um, talking about Canadian immigration. I am I'm not sure how much you know that people in the U.S. are so keen of um, immig- to know more about immigrating to Canada, because the group we have its name is Ask Immigration. Mm-hmm. And most of the people in here are uh, IT professionals. And as soon as this new government started and the immigration started having all the throwbacks, you know, rules changing and people just, every new rule change, people freak out. And the best option for them at that time is to go to Canada. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, yes. That and about
0: Canadian immigration.
1: Yeah. And I have been observing Canadian um, immigration also that also keeps changing quite frequently. You know, new rules come up, numbers increase, decrease. Province-wise, it is different. So it is, for me, it is pretty complicated. Canadian <laughs> immigration. So that's why we are having you over. Just Thank make it simple for us.
0: Of course, I'd be happy to. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity, Dr. Chopran, um, Madame. I really appreciate it. I think it, the U.S. immigration is much more complicated than Canadian immigration. You know, it's A to Z immigration, <laughs> different visa types. Um, in Canada, we we have been doing this for twenty two years. It's pretty consistent mm-hmm. now, and um, and there's always some small nuances or changes, but nothing is major that affects people's lives. The way that some of the changes in the states have, um, we are definitely hearing from people looking to come to Canada from the United States, especially from the Silicon Valley, California, um, and other states, as they consider what the outcome of this election will be. They want to just know what their options are, um, and so that's been very common. Many H one B visa holders, if they have a good employer that wants to keep them, we can talk about ways to nearshore them to Canada. Mm-hmm. First, maybe as workers under our program of intercompany transfer, similar to your L1 category. Or even if they are maybe American citizens also looking under NAFTA professional, similar to your TN, we can also bring them to Canada. But once they're in Canada, our process based on the province is usually within 12 months of working in Canada, they become eligible to apply permanent residence, so it's much faster than it is for you in the states to get to green card for us it could be two years two and a half years and you've gained your permanent resident status
1: that's very nice to know. and um, in employment also i heard many new programs are coming up i know about the nearshoring what you said mm-hmm. and also there is a new um, process which is called global talent stream yes so if you, if you can start with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the Global Talent Stream is the program for um, expediting high-tech, um, highly specialized workers into Canada. And we've been using this a lot for our nearshoring projects. So if they're working for uh, a U.S. company already and they fit the criteria of You know, at least 80,000 Canadian or more salary, and in a job that's on the list of occupations that fits the highly skilled um, software worker type of role management, they're able to get what's called labor market impact assessment, um, which normally takes three to five months, similar to your labor certification process. We can do that process in two weeks, get the approval, so long as the company has a labor market plan that says this is how we're going to use that skilled worker to transfer skills to Canadians. At the end of the day, they want to create jobs for Canadians and train Canadians at this high level of expertise. And then we can get that person a work permit. And so let's say they're an H1B, they will be processed through the US um, the the Canadian consulate in the US and under normal non-COVID times, it would take six to eight weeks. It might take more like three or four months now, but the hard part is the labor um, market impact assessment under global talent stream. There is also another aspect of the global talent stream that's related to being kind of sponsored by by startups. You know, those incubators, um, they have very special programs. And if the business is unique and and seems like it's viable they can also be sponsored outside of the global talent stream by way of an incubator um, across the country and sometimes even the province will sponsor them we have a client now who doesn't have education but has significant experience even from mit and all of this and he has a project with the alberta government and he was able to get the global talent stream used to bring him and his family to Canada, and now they're on their way to permanent residence. So it's a great program.
1: So I was trying to reach to one email which I got this afternoon. Thanks. So most of the time, the scenarios over here will be, you know, the companies which are uh, acting as consulting or staffing companies, and they are giving H1 resources, they might like to open their similar corporation in Canada, and I want to offshore their employees over here to there. So two questions here. Um, how long the process takes opening a company, a new company, and then transferring that person from here to there? Mm-hmm. Um, that is number one. And number two is that can they work internally for the company instead of working for the client? Interesting. Okay. So mostly from a staffing perspective, recruitment you're yeah. talking about? Okay.
0: So generally speaking, to set up a company in Canada, you know, it might take two weeks It's the incorporation depends how they want to incorporate. Is it going to be a branch office, a subsidiary, um, a registered, the same business? So we always recommend getting good tax advice. And we can always recommend an advisor that would talk to them and make sure they're structured properly, but literally two, three weeks. It depends on the name. They do a, a name search as well to see if they want to use the same name in Canada or something different. Then, so long as the person from that recruitment company has worked for them for at least a year, mm. which is the intercompany component, we can transfer them as a specialized knowledge worker or as a managerial executive worker, similar to your L1s into Canada. Mm. Um, would they be foreign or would they be, you know, meaning foreign born or would they be American citizens? Do you know?
1: They will be mostly foreign people. Foreign
0: workers, yeah. So then it means that they have to be processed. At a consulate, the Canadian consulate, unless they're eligible for port of entry, if they're visa exempt. Let's assume that there's no COVID and life is normal, um, which we all look forward to. Then it might take three three months, and they can start their work. the um, The thing is, the company that is bringing them is a company that will be on their work permit, right? And so. Yes, they can work for the company that's recruiting them, but they can also be sent out on behalf of the company that's bringing them. But we've got to be careful about the staffing company. Sometimes they're not really hiring the people directly and they're sending them off site right away. So it really depends on the structure of that arrangement. You know, um, corporate clients, we have them all the time sitting at client sites for six months or a year working on a major project. But it depends on the structure of the employment, who's paying them, um, what the contract says as to who is listed on the compliance portal, which is the audit portal. Essentially, who will come back to the company, if it's immigration, to figure out who their direct employer is. So there is a little nuance that we need to investigate further, I think.
1: Okay. And do you help with the establishing a corporation also?
0: Yes, we do. We incorporate as well. Um, we can do all corporations once they've figured out the share ownership and any breakdowns and dividends and things like that. Once they've had tax advice, we can certainly do that. Oftentimes, um, we'll register in British Columbia because British Columbia or we'll incorporate in British Columbia first. And then we can do a extra provincial registration in any province where they plan Operate. And the reason we do this is because it allows the company to own the business themselves and not need a Canadian um, shareholder. Alberta just recently announced that they're changing their rules to also offer that same, um, which is wonderful. It means we don't have to do the BC and then register in Alberta. We can go straight to Alberta and have all foreign owned directors of the business. Very
1: nice, because that is another. Um, barrier I have seen that they need Canadian citizen over there.
0: Yeah, and I don't want people to give up the control of their businesses. You know, I certainly don't. As a lawyer, I don't. I don't sit on my clients' companies. I know some lawyers do. We want them to be independent and have their ability to operate successfully in Canada.
1: So this company, which is new in Canada, and um, the employee from the company in US wants to go to company in Canada. So a company in Canada has to show some revenue or uh, revenue of the U.S. company can be considered?
0: Well, the company is pretty new. It could be a startup, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't need to have revenue. It needs to be coming from a successful business. That's really what it is. And ag- again, if it's America to Canada, it's much less owners than let's say if it was India or Ghana to Canada where they expect you to have a significant revenue where you're coming from. As long as the business in the U.S. is operating, has employees, will continue to operate and have employees. um, There's no financial requirement. They just need to know that the person they're transferring has the management experience to develop and grow the business. Very nice. And they do not go through the labor market thing. No, they can do the intercompany transfer because of the one year of employment. That's Mm -hmm. really great. We've been doing a lot of these types of transfers in the last few years. Basically, since the last election, there's been a lot of focus on how to come to Canada, bring your family, your spouse gets an open spousal work permit, and it allows them to work for any employer that they choose. Very nice.
1: Similar to, almost similar to L1 and L2. Exactly. Very similar. Yeah. Right, right. (laughs) So on the second aspect, this this was for the corporate clients. And the second aspect is individuals, you know. Yes. And they also want to know how can they move permanent residence to Canada? Mm. So what is the guideline for that?
0: Alka, on their education level, right? It's always, just like the U.S., we really value highly educated professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say somebody's working for you, working in the States under a visa, and they want to look to Canada. They have some options. One is they have to try to find an employer in Canada. So in Canada, the way to go about that is looking at the Canada Job Bank. That's where the labour market impact assessment have to flow through. At least you have to advertise there to show they tried to find a Canadian first. So this is like the labour certification process. It takes a while. Mm -hmm. Um, If transfer with their companies is not possible, they need to find an employment opportunity. Secondly, um, sometimes they would qualify on their own under express entry permanent residents, And that's great because it's a way to basically come to Canada as a permanent resident once it's approved. If you have the points under federal skilled worker category, which is approximately 480, 85, you know, the numbers goes up a little bit, 475. If you can show that you're educated, you're young enough, They certainly discriminate against older people. Believe me, I know. (laughs) Once you're over 40, it's over. Um, No matter if you're a PhD, it's it's quite significant. Another option, if you can't come in as a permanent resident, would be maybe you're married to a Canadian and there's a spousal opportunity. Or I always say back end is looking at uh, self-employment. If you can show that you can run a business successfully and have been doing it, That might be another option. That one takes a while. It could be two years. Hmm. Or there's something called owner-operator, where you may want to buy a business or invest in a Canadian business to get your permanent residence as well. So there are many ways. It just means sitting down and doing a really deep dive consultation to determine where the strengths of the application are and then directing that way. Last but not least would always be a study permit. I think sometimes... You want to do an executive MBA? Come to Canada. Because even if you're 45, you've got a business background, it makes sense to get in. From the study permit, you can move to postgraduate work permit and PR, probably within three years of graduation.
1: So in express entry program, is there a criteria that they should have a job offer and then they jump the hoop or...
0: They don't need to have a job offer. They can get points. Depends on how young they are. So, you know, as I said, if they're under 40, have a master's degree, um, have significant work experience in the States already, four to six years, they would likely be selected because they have points already. They don't need to have a job offer. They get more points, however, if they have a job offer. With the labor market impact assessment, if you found an employer who wanted to do this with you, once you had the labor market approved you would get an extra 50 to 200 points. So it depends if the position is senior executive, you get 200 points. If it's a normal management office level skilled worker role, you get an extra 50 points. So that would help somebody with express entry as well.
1: I got it. And uh, for the investment, what is the range of uh, funds? Every,
0: every province is a little different when it comes to that. So just generally they're looking at Two hundred thousand to six hundred thousand um, Canadian dollars. Exactly, it's always Canadian dollars. Um, British Columbia has a really good investor program where you can invest two hundred thousand um, dollars. It's actually even up to a hundred thousand dollars if you're willing to live in a region that's less um, dense. You know the, they call it the regional pilot program. Um, PEI, Prince Edward Island, some of the Atlantic provinces, they also have investor programs that could start at $200,000 and up. But $600,000 seems to be the high end of the on investor entrepreneur program.
1: But the line for all the entrepreneurs are the same? Q is the same? Or if somebody no, pays more?
0: based on the province. Yeah. So knowing where you want to be is really important because mm-hmm. that's where your money is going to go. And that's where the, the guidelines will be operated by is the province. So, you know, in BC, under normal circumstances, you could finish everything in about a year and come as a permanent resident with your family. Prince Edward Island, they just announced 350 new um, spots for investors who qualify to live there and buy business. Yeah.
1: So you as an attorney or a law firm, you just help with the process or you help finding the projects and where should they invest and all those things?
0: Well, we, we mostly focus on the immigration, uh, ACA Business Immigration Law, but we work with a number of accountants and also um, business plan writers and you know, other areas that are related so they will have contacts. So what we usually do is we'll put them in touch with the business plan writers that we know and also realtors and um, brokers, but we don't, we don't facilitate that. We need the business owner to make those decisions independently and then we provide, once they've decided on which business we then help them prepare all the paperwork and finalize their permanent residence.
1: Okay. So if somebody is interested in uh, investing, then will he be allowed to visit Canada before? um For yes. some money. Yeah, on?
0: definitely. It's important. Most of the programs requires that you come even for an interview. You come to see what you're considering. Maybe you have a letter of intent intention to invest, but you don't need to put up all your money. You need to come and see it. And then, the program will interview you as well because they want to understand that you have the business acumen and that your credentials line up to be successful here. Most of the programs require that the investor will at least create one job for a Canadian minimum or two. And so they need to know if it's a viable business um, before they finalize and approve it. Okay.
1: So one more question which was coming up these days because uh, for fiancé visa or spousal visa, they should have been met, you know, once in a year before. <laughs> a few people are asking me because of these borders are closed. Can they have Skype marriages or things like that?
0: <laughs> I've heard that too. Proxy weddings. And it's like, no, um, it's not permitted. So that that's unfortunate. I mean, I always am jealous of, Canada, of the U.S. when it comes to the fiancé visa because you at least have that category. In Canada, we don't have that category. You're either married common law you know even if you're married same-sex couple we recognize that in canada but we don't allow you to start the process if you're not married or if you don't meet the criteria of having lived together somewhere out of canada or in canada for one year which is our oh, common for one year one year which is our common law requirement mm. to if you're not married you can be legally married and immediately start the application But if you're not, you have to have lived together and show that you have shared expenses and all of those things to qualify as a a family unit, Um, unfortunately. So no Skype weddings. People have to wait. I mean, now um, people are traveling still, but not so much to Canada. So people in Canada can go to other countries, depending on the country, get married and then come back, have to quarantine for two weeks. But at least the, the wedding has happened. And then they can get on with their lives in Canada.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, for student visa also, study permits, um, because most of the education is going online. So does it impact student visas?
0: Yeah, it has impacted. Unfortunately, Um, we've encountered some clients that we started, you know, in January, February, only to find out that their study permits were not approved because they were able to go online and the colleges and universities were going online. So then the government is basically saying, why do you need to be here? So, you know, honestly, I'm telling people that I think we should wait, Um, you know, um, the whole goal is to be in Canada and having that experience at school in Canada, culturally, um, socially, networks, et cetera. So I'm telling people they should maybe consider waiting until the COVID restrictions and the border are gone and start looking into maybe September of 2021. So I'm hoping by March or April, we'll have a better sense that people can start applying. But right now, unfortunately, even American students that we know have been um, refused or basically told, we're not gonna approve you or deny you, but you can't get entry and you can learn online and stay home. Are there any exceptions to Alaskans coming over? It's kind of like a different location from the South. Well, Alaskans have have to be really careful because some Alaskans came through the southern part into the U.S., into Canada, and they were supposed to leave right away because you're not allowed to stay as a tourist right now. You can't just come as a visitor only if it's business. We are doing a number of applications at the border for work permits, and they have to have a quarantine plan or they have to be considered essential worker. But some Alaskans, unfortunately, have gotten into trouble and have been banned from Canada. And now are even in litigation with the government because they were seen not to take the warnings of, you know, of quarantine seriously. So in Canada, we're very, very concerned about keeping COVID under control. And uh, it doesn't change for Alaskans. They either drive right through and they're watching you leave Canada or they have to fly home and bypass Canada completely. So irrespective of the COVID situation in Alaska... Even before the COVID started, was it easier for Alaskans to get work permits to settle nope. versus the other states? Okay. No, it's exactly the same. American citizenship is American citizenship. doesn't matter where you're located. So uh, it doesn't mean anything except we're in the middle of Alaska and the rest of your states down south. Yeah.
1: So uh, everybody has to have English proficiency test, whether they're American citizens or Indian citizens, right?
0: Yes, that's correct. And it's, it's frustrating when they brought that out about three years ago. Uh, you know, we had some university professors from the U.S. who were American born. They were like, why do we have to do the test? And the reason that the government came up with it was just to um, just to make it all consistent for everybody and to show that there was no discrimination or prejudice about one you know, group or another. So, yes, it seems like a bit of a cash grab for English native speakers. But the fact that we have to go through this experience of writing the test, but it also equalizes the process, especially for express entry. So no matter where you're from, uh, same with IELTS, so IELTS, same with um, West. Even if you were educated in the United States or the UK, you still have to do that assessment of your education unless you went to school in Canada. Is it a difficult test? Well, for Americans. No, I don't think it's difficult for Americans. They just have to listen really well. (laughs) And and sometimes the accent, I've heard that, you know, some of our clients have taken it, and it sounds more like a British accent speaking. So it may not sound the same as what you're used to. So the practice is important and listening really well is important, but they do very well. Yeah.
1: So almost all the categories, they need uh, English test.
0: Yes, every category. Now the provinces are requiring it too, because they want people who can adapt when they get here, you know, in the past, we didn't need them for the provincial nominee work permit program. But now all of them have a minimum CLB, um, you know, Canadian language benchmark of four, usually, which is quite low, given that usually for IELTS, it's a higher um, requirement, you need seven across the board IELTS, um, which is more of a, you know, educated level. So. It is, it's important because they want them to be able to integrate successfully and become great permanent residents here in Canada.
1: One question uh, which people keep asking, which country to pick, Canada or U.S.? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know what I can say to that. I think everybody makes decisions based on what is most important to them, right? And in Canada, when you're working here or permanent resident, you get access to health care. And I have to tell you that we've been seeing even older, you know, like almost retired, if not older, um, people (laughs) in the U.S. looking to come to Canada, possibly to even invest because they're concerned about aging in the U.S. and maybe not being able to afford the, the healthcare at the level that they want. So, you know, it really depends. And then my best friend is living in New York for 20 years, practicing law. So, you know, she's Canadian and she's there. So I think it really is about what is your need and desire kind of focus you want for your family and the kind of lifestyle you want i think in the states so many opportunities are available but there's also the challenge of moving to green card which is becoming a real issue and in canada two two and a half years you'll be finished
1: and as far as uh, it professionals are concerned how is canada for them
0: Oh, I think it's fabulous. I'm originally from Vancouver, which is where I grew up. And it's so busy right now. And we have an office there as well. It's very busy in BC. They're attracting software workers and IT workers. They can't get enough of them. Um, It's expensive to live. And so we always are also encouraging, come to Alberta. It's much less expensive to live. You can do your work anywhere. When, you know, nowadays, especially, you don't need to be in the city where your business is to be able to be successful. Um, and every province has a program that really targets IT. So maybe it's a global talent stream. Maybe it's IT worker, software worker programs. Um, it's it's very much uh, a necessity because we realize that no matter how great our Canadian workers are, we still need more highly skilled technical IT
1: software people. There's no doubt. And do you have any office in America?
0: No, I don't currently, but I never know. <laughs> I have a lot of friends um, that are in the, Im- in the immigration bars um, with members of American Immigration Lawyers Association like myself that I work with and refer work to for things that we don't do. Like We don't do OMP visas or applications that are submitted inside the U.S. So we collaborate with a lot of great U.S. Um, immigration attorneys. Um, but maybe one day I might have to open the satellite office. Um, again, most of our clients, we never even meet them. Before COVID, just like you know, you do everything virtually, WhatsApp, Skype, Facebook, um, and you find a way through Zoom to build those relationships and everything is done virtually. So oftentimes only when they arrive in Canada, if I'm in the city that they happen to be in, that I meet my clients. So we can do everything for clients around the world into Canada.
1: Very nice. So any of any, uh, your um, own preference, your word of wisdom for audience
0: you know what I really feel it's important that people seek advice you know just like going to you (coughs) organization before they make mistakes it's so much harder as you know how to fix a mistake if somebody accidentally misrepresents or misses something on the form and everything comes back they're already in the system and I have a hard time to fix something when they've already tried on their own so my, my my recommendation is always decide what you want. And if it's important to you, seek a professional like myself. I don't, I don't do my doctoring myself. I don't do surgery on myself. I go see a doctor. I see a <laughs> dentist. And I really feel that when their lives and their livelihood and their future are at stake, that it's worth it to do a one hour consultation at the very least and determine what they need and then work with a legal professional who's got the skill set to help them do it. Right. Um, I can't really fix many mistakes after the fact. And sometimes people's lives are impacted. And the work we do, I always think it, we're creating legacies. You know, we're, as an immigrant myself from Ghana, we moved to Canada when I was five. And my sister and I are both lawyers now. And so my parents, they fulfilled their legacy to give us this opportunity. And I want the same for other people around the world to have the opportunity to come to the States, to come to Canada and live the lives that they choose to.
1: So, will there be any advantage of picking immigration consultant or a lawyer? That's a this? good
0: question, yeah. In Canada, immigration consultants are regulated, um, and in Ontario, they're actually regulated by the Law Society, which is very bizarre, um, you know, that lawyers are regulating non-lawyers. But many of them are very skilled. We have some great immigration consultants on our team, in addition to lawyers. Um, I think the biggest thing just with the lawyer as well as an immigration consultant is do your research, get a reference, do your due diligence, because some are great and some are not, just like lawyers. Some are great, some are not. And so recommendations and referrals and interviews and checking Google reviews and all of those things, the credential, that's a part of the due diligence before you pay anybody, making sure that you will get what you ask for um, to the best of their ability.
1: Perfect. So um, before we leave, uh, please tell um, about your law firm, your email address, phone number, so that our audience have it. Thank you
0: so much, Alka. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate meeting you and Ask Immigration and the Facebook page. You guys are very active. Um, So my law firm is called ACA Business Immigration Law. Uh, We're in our 10th year. I started working at national and global law firms. So I was a partner and head of the National Immigration Group for a global law firm. And then when I had my children, I was like, something has to change. And so I started my own firm where we specialize in corporate and personal immigration for skilled workers and their families. And uh, we have an office in Vancouver and in Toronto, but our main office is in Calgary, Alberta. Mm -hmm. And you can reach us at ACALaw.com. And our phone number is 403 452-9515. 452-9515. You can find us online and we'll be happy to talk. Um, we'll always do a, a complimentary legal strategy session with one of our team members to just make sure it's something that we can help you with. Because we don't do asylum, for instance, we don't litigate. So anything we don't do, we make sure we can refer you elsewhere to a professional. True. I have a question. The grass is greener on the other side, you know. So do you think, do you feel that more people from the U.S. want to come and migrate to Canada or more people from Canada want to migrate to the U.S.? Like, where is the majority side <laughs> that yeah. wants to migrate to the other? Well, Nancy, or Do you think it's 50-50? I think it's it, it depends on where they're coming from. So right now with the political climate in the state, um, depending on the state, that people are coming in and maybe how their lives are being impacted. People are very much calling us and, and have been. I think once the election is over, we'll probably get a lot of that materializing. Um, we'll see what happens. People talk about it, but when when you make a decision, people are making decisions now, even in advance of the election. But I also see that the United <laughs> States is such a huge market that for provinces like, for instance, Alberta, where engineers and oil and gas have been significantly affected, they're looking south. I'm doing a number of TNs for them. They're living in Texas and all in the Southern parts of the US folk and they're very successful because they see the opportunities of a larger market. So it really depends on what your desire is and what your experience is as to which which way you wanna go. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think being able to go both ways is ideal. So we can go and work and live and vice versa. That's what NAFTA has done. And we're very grateful that that's now the U.S. MCA that it is still in force and it still is working for Canadians and Americans and Mexicans to come to each other's countries. Thank you. Thank, Thank you me. so much. Nice. Thank you. Talk to you. It was wonderful to have you. Good job. Thank you. All Thank the you best. Guys. Have a good night.
1: You too. Bye. Bye.
0: I hope the information was valuable to you. Please do let me know if you have any questions. You can reach us at acalaw.com, A-C-K-A-H-L-A-W.com, or you can contact us by phone at 403-452-9515. Have a great day. Thank you.